Welcome to the Fabulously Keto podcast aimed at improving health, vitality and quality of life. Eating real food in a ketogenic lifestyle. I'm Jackie Fletcher and I'm based in the UK. And I'm Louise Reynolds, an Aussie currently based in Bangkok, Thailand. Each week we will be bringing you guests who share their stories and discuss a range of topics which we hope will improve your health and well-being. Many of the guests, like us, came to Keto for Weight Loss and have stayed for their well-being, numerous health benefits and because they are living their best lives. We hope you will be inspired to incorporate these ideas into your own health journey so that you can feel better than you ever have before. Thinking about starting keto? Take a listen to episode number two, What is Keto and How to Start? Welcome to episode 41 of the Fabulously Keto podcast. And today we have a film star. <laughs> well, okay, a film producer. Uh, Jen Isenhart produced the film called Fat Fiction, which in the UK at the time of recording is available on Amazon Prime and Vimeo Prime. So if you haven't watched it, highly recommend it. I've seen it two and a half times, tried to get my mum and her partner to watch it, but they just weren't interested. So I did watch it a bit, but I love the film. I really did. So I contacted Jen through Clubhouse, uh, saw she was on there and said, will you come on the podcast? And she did, of course, as otherwise we wouldn't be here now. Absolutely. It's a fantastic film and very much. It's one of those films that when people new to, to low carb or keto or, you know, those that are contemplating it. It's a fabulous resource. It's a self-contained uh, documentary, which is easily accessible. And when in the interview, as you'll hear, Jen sort of describes it as being pitched at, yeah, getting your mum and dad to watch it. So it's unfortunate that your mum fell asleep while she yeah, was watching Yeah, they both Jackie, did. So. <laughs> Never mind. But anyway, it is along with um, obviously the other great sorts of documentaries that uh, us low-carb keto folks like to watch. It's one of these self-contained. It goes through the history and, um, yeah, the guidelines as well as those sort of stories about the lived experiences. And it has all your favourite keto rock stars in there as well. Definitely. So... Louise, why don't you tell us a bit about Jen? So Jen is a principal and founder of Wide-Eyed Productions, a Northwest digital production company that's been creating successful films since 2000. Jen has ushered dozens of projects through from conception, production, completion, from Emmy award-winning documentaries to educational children's programs to branded entertainment. She knows how to weave images, sound and messages into memorable films. More recently, she has directed and written uh, Fat Fiction, which we'll hear more about, a film about the history of the US dietary guidelines and the miserable failure of the so-called low-fat, heart-healthy diet. Don't we all know that? The film is narrated by 10 times New York Times best-selling author and physician Mark Hyman, one of the keto rock stars, and features interviews with world-class nutrition experts and science journalists. You can guess who that is, Jack. <laughs> My Gary. 
Gary. And Nina was a journalist one. as so well, fat, wasn't she? Uh, absolutely. So, Fat Fiction is available, as you said, on Amazon Prime and Vimo Prime, where more than 500 five-star reviews rank the film as one of the top nutrition documentaries on the website. And we strongly encourage you to watch and rate and review um, for Jen as well. Do us a favour. So, let's hear more from Jen. Welcome, Jen, to the Fabulously Keto podcast. It's fabulous to have you with us today. Hey, thank you. Thanks for having me. And we always start our podcast with, where in the world are you? I am in Boise, Idaho, Western United States. Excellent. What's the weather like at the moment? Are you moving from winter into summer now, spring? Yes, we're having the lion uh, entrance of spring. We've had some big, big windstorms and um, that kind of beautiful sunny weather. And then all of a sudden you'll have a snowstorm the next day and then the sun comes out again. <laughs> yeah, kind of uh, that that's amazing weather. And just got uh, had a beautiful uh, couple of days with the super moon. We had some incredible full moons last couple of days here. So it's just been really neat weather. Yeah. Yeah, I went to bed last night and the moon was shining. It was massive and I could, it was reflecting in a mirror right into my eyes. And I thought, oh, well, it'll be gone in a minute. And then I looked around and it, it had moved uh, out of the mirror. And yeah. It wasn't shining in my eyes anymore. Big and bright. Yeah, it was beautiful. Yeah, it was. Great. Let's start with you and your journey into low carb, whole food eating and tell us how you got started on that. Yeah. Um, well, I, when I was a, when I was a kid, uh, I, I always had a lot of trouble with sugar. I knew that I, when I ate sugar, it really caused problems for me. In fact, I would be so affected by it. I would kind of get the shakes and I would, uh, after, after I ate like a candy bar, you know, and it, but I craved sugar. I was really bad, um, really bad at eating a lot of sugar as a kid. I just wanted to have it all the time. And, and, uh, and anyway, it was, it was thought for a while that maybe I had, uh, diabetes as a child and I had to do several tolerance tests, the glucose tolerance tests, you know, that you have to drink the liquid and test your blood sugar over a period of time. Yeah. How old were you then? I was probably 10 or 11. And, um, and I, and I wasn't, I didn't have diabetes. I just was having these kind of sort of reactive, hypoglycemic events, you know, where if I ate sugar, then I would just drop, my blood sugar would drop and I would just feel horrible. Mm. And, um, you know, as I went into adulthood, I was able to sort of manage my intake of sugar a little bit better, but I always knew that, you know, if I, if I had one chocolate, I would, I would want to eat the entire box. You know, I just, I really didn't have control when it came to sugar. And, um, so I, I, uh, I saw this class that was a sugar detox class. I thought, ah, I, I should do that. <laughs> I should take that class. And, um, and so I signed up for it and it was a five week, basically elimination, food elimination diet, uh, and then slowly bringing back, you know, things after you were done. And, um, and on the first night of the class, they, they said, you know, not only do you need to quit eating sugar, but you need to eat, you need to start eating a lot more fat. And I was surprised by that. 
I was surprised to hear someone tell me that I should be eating fat mm. and um, including saturated fat. And uh, this was really just a couple of years ago, um, about three and a half years ago. And, you know, I had worked my, my career, I'd worked uh, as a television journalist and I'd done stories with nutritionists and dietitians about uh, low fat eating, which was predominant at, you know, during, during my career, it was still being, you know, counseled to patients that they should keep fat out of their diets. And, and so I was surprised to hear that surprised to hear somebody tell me I should be eating more fat. And, um, so I kind of, it kind of launched my own personal inquiry and, and going out and, and finding, um, Gary Taubes' books and Nina Teichel's book and, um, uh, Dr. Hyman and, and learning more about uh, low carbohydrate, which I'd heard, of course, I'd heard of low carbohydrate eating um, at the time, but um, but I had not heard this notion that we'd kind of gotten the story all wrong about about fat and saturated fat, and, and that's sort of what brought me brought me into it. And um, and then at the same time, as I was going through this class, just feeling the confirmation in my own body that this was this was actually a really great way to to eat to be able to control cravings to control hunger um and so that's just sort of what launched me into it right and did your family take it on as well or was it just you on your own it, in the beginning it was just me um but then um my husband, who's uh, very supportive, he's good about this kind of thing. He he really has gotten into it too. Um, so we, for the most part, um, we eat very low carb, um, you know, whole foods, and and he's really good um, with cooking and helping out with all that as well. I have two teenage daughters that are. <laughs> it's uh, you know. It's a challenge, you know, they, they, they want, still want to have, you know, ice cream and cookies and, and cake and all these things. But, um, but we, we, we seem to have kind of struck a balance with occasional treats, but not, not every night. And so that seems to work pretty well for them. Yeah. yeah. I, I think when, the, once they hit teenage years, it's really hard to do anything about. So I'm very envious of people that have found low carbon keto when their kids are little and they can make those changes it doesn't have to be all of it but make some of those changes around meal times so that their children grow up with much less carbs i wish i wish i would have come to it earlier you know my children were uh well one was already a teenager and one was you know just coming into becoming a teenager when when we kind of made the switch and the hardest thing frankly was cereal we had so many fights over cereal. <laughs> I can't tell you. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, and I still don't buy cereal, um, I, except for just every once in a while, I will, I will buy them a, a little bit of cereal, but I really have cut way, way back. We used to always have cereal in the house for the kids uh, when they were younger. And uh, now we just don't. Yeah, me too. Yeah. One of our ladies in our Facebook group, whose baby has just turned one, she's been so lucky because she knew about keto before the baby was born. So the baby, while she does eat other things, she is mostly uh, a low carb baby. That's and great. Really, 
really loves the meat and the vegetables and if you give her something carbs she'll push it away so it's really wow. interesting to see wow that's yeah i wish i would have had that information then myself you know i mean we've always cooked at home we've always ate eaten you know whole foods you know but we've we have generally avoided the ultra processed foods in our home but we were eating more pastas and and cereal and you know thing well i guess cereal you know you could definitely call that an ultra processed food um but we were what i thought we're, we're buying was uh, i thought i was buying less processed foods but then you realize what happens when those foods hit your bloodstream and and uh yeah Want to get away from it altogether. How are you feeling now now that you've made those changes and it's been what three and a half years? Um, mm -hmm. How are you feeling feeling now? Oh, I feel so much better. I, I mean, I it's not and I and I still struggle too. You know, the choices with food are are every day, and and um, there's always you know temptation. It seems like around around every corner. Um, when you're out, you know, in the world. Um, but I feel so much better. I have, I have better sleep. I have better energy. Um, I, I always had kind of just this persistent digestive upset, uh, before it's kind of, you know, the bloating feeling that you can get. And, and I just don't get that anymore at all. And, uh, as a young adult, I just thought that was just, part of life. I just thought, well, you know, when I eat, I get an upset stomach. And, um, and no, it was, I, I think I attribute it to the grains and the sugar. Um, and now that I don't eat that anymore, I just, I just don't have it anymore, which is wonderful, you know, mm -hmm. and also just not feeling tired after a meal, you know, when you're, eating a lot of carbohydrates, you know, you just get that carb coma after a meal and, and it's just so nice to be able to have, have some nice food, but still be able to get up and, and have plenty of energy to go for a hike with the dog, you know, after dinner and that sort of thing, not be fe feeling just so tired after meals. So yeah, I, I, it's been a great improvement in life for sure. And, um, I'm I'm glad to have found it when I did. I wish I would have, you know, like we were talking, Jackie, maybe found it a little earlier uh, for the sake of uh, my family. <laughs> but I'm glad I found it when I did. Yeah. I always tell myself that probably if I'd heard about it before, I wouldn't have taken any notice. I wouldn't have been in the right place to, to, mm. to take that on board. So, yeah, you have yeah. to come, come to things at certain times in life, don't you? Yeah. 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 So when you found that course, obviously, yeah, where were you in that time of your life? You know, cast your mind back to three and a half years ago. So you've had this persistent sort of problem, you know, through your teens, early 20s. And obviously, there was this course, you know, calling to you. But what was really the switch for you to go, right, this is the time, this is what I'm going to do, I'm going to enroll in it? I don't know. I think it was just the right time. You know, I, I, um, I'd always been curious about what it might be like to just really work at eliminating sugar from my diet. I knew that sugar lingered in many things, you know, it was hiding in, in condiments and in, in all kinds of foods. Um, 
I did know that much, um, but I, I had never gone to the extent of actually trying to eliminate it from my diet. And I don't know, I guess it was just the right time. I, I was curious about it. I, I've always been curious about nutrition and, and, uh, I get, you know, like, like Jackie said, I think it, it was just the right time. <laughs> and so, so when I saw that pop up that, that class, I thought I'm going to try that. And, and, um, and it, the timing was good. And, and I, I guess I was ready to receive the message at that point. <laughs> yeah. So it was a five week course. Yeah. It's called the restart program. And, um, it's a really great program. In fact, um, the gal who designed it, Jenny, um, Paul, uh, she and I have, you know, had many conversations, uh, after, after that. And, um, yeah, it's a five week elimination program. You, you basically, uh, eliminate all processed foods from your diet and, and all sugar. Um, and, and then you, you do that for five weeks and they, they provide support and, and weekly meetings and, and at the time, you know, this was before the pandemic, we, we did it as a group. There was a, there was a small group. So everybody was sharing and, um, it, it was really good. It was a great, great class. And I, I, I recommend it to a lot of people. Um, you know, I don't, I don't, I'm not sponsored by them or anything. I think sometimes people wonder if maybe I am because <laughs> I talk about it, but I just found it to be so valuable. And, um, it really helped me and I know it's helped a lot of other people too. It's, it's just good to have support, you know, when you're changing, when you're attempting to change the way you eat, I think it really helps to have the support of um, other people and a knowledgeable nutritionist. And, and so, yeah, it was great. I liked it a lot. How did you feel sort of going against the, um, the dietary guidelines? Because obviously, you know, historically as, as women, we've always been that low fat focused, you know, how did you reconcile the fat phobia? That was hard for me, actually. At first, I thought, oh, no, this is this this is not right. You know, I, I might have to bail out of this class um, because, you know, I had I, I was aware of the dietary guidelines and I and I had done stories as a journalist about about, you know, that we should be trying to get saturated fat out of our diets. And I'd interviewed dietitians and nutritionists who said we should switch to you know from butter to vegetable spreads instead and you know I'd done those stories and and uh, so I was worried at first I thought boy I don't know if this is right and um and so that's why I went out and 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 really kind of started researching at the same time that I was taking the class I thought well I'll, I'll give this a try and and see how I feel and then at the same time, I was, you know, looking at research and, and, and reading more about, about saturated fat and about, you know, uh, vegetable oils. You know, I, I, once you kind of look a little deeper, you start to learn that, you know, we really didn't, uh, get that story right. Um, and so, yeah, that really launched me into a deeper inquiry, which then, you know, launched me into feeling like, wow, I'd, I'd like to do a film about this, about this topic. So yeah, it was really kind of the springboard for, you know, my own personal uh, shift in nutrition, as well as starting me into uh, researching for the film. 
Yeah, I was going to say that's a, a big shift going from being a journalist to a film producer. Was there something specific about what you found that, that sparked something in you to, to create a film? Well, we, uh, my husband and I have a production company. We've been doing documentary films. I, I, I'd, uh, I worked in television as a special projects producer for quite a few years. I would do um, special like investigative series and kind of the longer format productions that required more research and time and editing. Um, that was what I did. And, um, and, but then in about, uh, 2000, my husband and I started our own production company and we, we were already doing independent documentaries, um, at the time. But generally speaking, we, uh, with more of an environmental focus and, and, um, uh, nature focus. Um, but, you know, I had done a lot of other hard news topics over the course of my career. And, and so when I came across this, I thought, wow, I just think this would be, make a really good documentary. There are other films that had touched on different parts of the story, but I felt like we could do a really nice job of putting it all together into one film that really explained to people. Um, and especially the, the type two diabetes piece and, and, and how, you know, those folks that are struggling with that terrible disease have really been in, in many cases, just given min- misinformation um, on how to manage their disease. And so, yeah, at that point in time, we'd already been doing documentaries. Um, and so it wasn't a, you know, it was a little bit of a shift in topic in terms of we, we had mostly been doing kind of environmentally focused films. Um, but, you know, I had already done a lot of health and nutrition work over my career. So it wasn't, wasn't a real big shift, uh, for us to, to jump on that and, and try that topic this time. Did you really feel that you found the smoking gun? You know, that, that, you know, in terms of obviously your, your research skills and when you're sort of unpacking the, you know, obviously the, the Ansel Keys links, mm-hmm. you know, the, the vegetable oil links, you know, as you said about the obesogenic environments, mm-hmm. the epidemic of, you know, type 2 diabetes and just generally the, the misinformation. Mm-hmm. So, you know, in terms of your, your investigation, did you feel that this was, you know, the perfect, the perfect documentary to make? Yeah, I, I mean, there were several things that I thought were just <laughs> needed to be explained, and it, it needed to be explained to a general audience too. You know, I, I a lot of times I use, you know, my parents as an example. Um, uh, my parents are not going to pick up a nutrition book and and start reading, you know, deeply ab- about nutrition. And there are, there's a lot of great books out there. Um, but, but they'll watch a film. And so I felt like I, I thought it was really important to just not only, you know, look at all this, this research, but to, to put it into a film that is accessible to the general pub- public. And so that was that was a big focus of mine. And and there were a couple of things that I thought were kind of smoking guns, Louise. I mean, I didn't discover them, but I think I pulled them together into a film that that presents them in a way that that 
you know, the general public can access. And one of those things was the reanalysis of the Minnesota coronary experiment. Um, Dr. Christopher Ramston, you know, they dug up the, <laughs> the original records from the basement of the, of the principal investigator for that, for that study. And, and when they reanalyzed the findings, you know, discovered that, um, the group that was assigned to to eat vegetable oils actually had more heart attacks and death than the group that was assigned to eat butter. Um, and if you if you look at that experiment, um, you know that was prior to the first dietary guidelines being put in place. And you know there are plenty of folks who feel that you know if if that evidence hadn't been buried. That the results from that study were were not published until many many years later, um, and there is a feeling that 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 those results were intentionally buried um, so that the diet heart hypothesis could continue um, as the you know the idea of the day, um, and so that was one of the the studies that I felt was was fascinating and was a smoking gun. And, and I did reach out to Dr. Ramston and, and I did reach out to the family, the, the, the son of Ivan Franz, the principal investigator, and was able to speak with them about the study as I was researching for the film. So that was fascinating too. Um, but yeah, I, I, I felt like it was really important to be able to put that information into a, an accessible film that the general public could watch and understand. And, and then the other thing that really got me going was, you know, as I was researching for this um, type two diabetes, of course, comes up pretty quickly when you start looking at anything uh, related to obesity. And so I was, I was researching, you know, what, you know, the numbers are in, in the United States and around the world and, and, and kind of how that disease impacts people. And, and I, so I, I decided to attend the type two diabetes uh, meeting in my community here. And at this meeting, the, the beginning of the meeting, the organizers are handing out uh, sample mini plans to this group of people that have pre-diabetes or are struggling with type 2 diabetes. And the menu plan was a USDA MyPlate 2,000 calorie a day low-fat meal plan. And they're handing this out to a group of people who have metabolic disorder, right? And, you know, the breakfast on the first day was oatmeal, non-fat milk, brown sugar on the oatmeal, raisins on the oatmeal, toast with jelly and a glass of orange juice that was the breakfast on the first day and i it actually made me furious <laughs> i was so upset um and this you know it this sort of this idea that that people with type 2 diabetes need to eat carbohydrates and consistent carbohydrates throughout the day um has perpetuated um in you know various groups and i just felt like i needed to address that in the film and and um look at why that is absolutely 
the worst advice you could give someone with type two diabetes. And, and um, that kind of led into the idea of doing that continuous glucose monitor experiment that we conducted in the film. It's like, cause in my mind, I saw that menu plan. And I was like, I know exactly what this is going to do to someone's blood sugar. And would it be interesting to compare this, a week of eating like this to a week of very low carb ketogenic eating and see now, because at the time, continuous glucose monitors had were fairly new. Um, and I thought, wow, that would be, that would illuminate <laughs> the difference between these two diets. And uh, so those were a couple of, I guess, maybe smoking guns that, that I felt like we could capture in the film. Yeah. And I think what was, what that was really good. I think that was, you know, a visual, you know, the three, the three participants that had the continuous glucose monitor and, you know, the, well, the viewing audience can mm-hmm. actually see the difference between, you know, the baselines of that, the, the low carb diet. And then you had the week of the, the, the high carb diet and the visuals of the glucose monitoring um, data that was shown on the screen was, yeah, yeah. absolutely good. Yeah. But along with that, you had Sarah Holberg, you know, explaining it in, as you said, accessible language mm-hmm. so that your parents could understand it. Why would you give people sugar, particularly those that are sugar intolerant, you know, those type 2 diabetes, why would you recommend that? And the people that you chose to, obviously your participants as well as your, your expert commentary, um, you know, the doctors that you had there, you know, made those messages clear and resonate and obviously accessible for the audience. Yeah. Yeah. I love the way that you, I would have expected the um, comparison to be the other way around. So you do the high carb and then the low carb. But actually, I loved when you're watching the film, I actually thinking, yeah, this really works because they have no preconception of what's going to happen. And they go in and they, not only are their blood sugars flat, but also they don't feel hungry, they're satiated, they're eating a lot less mm-hmm. uh, times a day. And then then they go to the other way and they just see the difference, which I think it really blew their minds, didn't it? Yeah, I, it really did. In fact, it, it startled and concerned uh, uh, one of our gals really was having trouble when she made the switch to the USDA MyPlate plan, the higher carb plan. We were supervised by a physician the entire time. And so that was helpful. But yeah, her, um, the first day, you know, she had that breakfast with the oatmeal and her blood sugar just shot up. And then at lunch, she had a sandwich with uh, some grapes. And her blood sugar shot up over 200 um, from that lunch. And then she was really concerned about it. She was very worried uh, because on the the low-carb week, I I don't think she ever got over 100 the entire week. You know, she was just this flat, steady line the whole week. And um, and the the other thing that I thought was really fascinating from that, um, I mean, it was just a simple, obviously – experiment one week on on low carb and one week on low fat wearing a continuous glucose monitor um but it became really clear that um satiety is just so much better on a low carb diet um or low carb nutrition because their blood sugar was steady 
they weren't experiencing these big lows or these big highs. And, and so they just weren't as hungry. Um, all three participants, you know, talked about that in the film and, and talked about it to me, um, as we were filming, just like, gosh, I, I don't know if I even need to eat lunch. I'm just not that hungry, <laughs> you know, but then when they switched to the, to the high carb plan, which was over half the calories of the day as carbohydrates, um, they were all very hungry. And um, that plan included snacks. Um, the USDA plan included snacks, and they all had to eat the snacks. Where on the low carb week, the it was really a ketogenic um, plan. It was under twenty grams of carbohydrate a day. They never felt hungry for snacks. And I just mm. I think that satiety is such an important piece that that it can be overlooked because. Yes, it is possible to to lose weight and maintain, you know, your your weight, um, and and people can can do well on on low fat diets, but uh, but the satiety piece, I just think it's just it's just so much easier to to maintain a a feeling of being full, which also helps ward off cravings or grabbing something that you shouldn't, you know, when when all of a sudden your blood sugar drops and you get hungry. Um, so that was something that I, that really hit home for me as we, as we did the the week by week comparison was just how well a low carbohydrate diet can manage your, your hunger, you know? Yeah. I think for the listeners, it, we should mention here because we've been talking about the film, but we haven't actually said what it's called. So <laughs> yeah, the film is called Fat Fiction. And here in the UK, currently as we're recording, which is March, the end of March 2021, it is available on Amazon Prime. I don't know how long that will be available and anywhere else, Jen, that they can find it. Yeah, um, as far as I know, it'll stay on Amazon Prime. Um, it, it's also available on um, Vimeo On Demand and it's available on... Um, well, in the United States, it's available on a channel called Tubi TV. I'm not sure if you have that in the UK. Um, no. well, the, the two main platforms are Amazon Prime and Vimeo on demand. That's probably the most popular places to find it. Great. So I noticed at the end, we're go I'm going back to talking about the three people that did the experiment. And at the end of the experiment, and I can't remember the word they used, but they all used the same word to describe the difference and how they were feeling and things like that. I can't remember the word. Do you oh, remember yeah. Was it um, amazing? Or? Yeah, I was like, yeah, it was, yeah, was amazing. Yeah, I can't, that's funny. I can't and they remember. all said the same thing. Yeah, they did. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, they all, they were all fascinated by it. And um, it, it, it's fascinating to kind of get to lift the hood on your body and look inside and, and understand how foods are impacting your metabolism and, and your blood sugar and and then be able to put it together with how you're feeling you know um i was fascinated by it they were all fascinated by it and, and since then i've worn a continuous glucose monitor a couple of times just to see how different foods are 
impacting my blood sugar and it, it is it's 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 amazing to it's really interesting to see uh what foods do to your body yeah what did you find out uh well i found out that um kombucha uh if i don't if i'm not very careful about what kind i buy really spikes my blood sugar um it can have a lot of residual sugar sugar in different types of it depends on how the kombucha is made but um i always thought that that was you know good for digestion which i you know i believe it is um but you have to be careful which ones you buy because there's many of them have quite a bit of sugar in them mm. and then other times just uh, you know things i already knew <laughs> like uh you know Oh, a light beer, like a Coors light beer. Could, could I have one of those? Cause it is pretty low in carbohydrate, actually, you know, five grams. And would that be all right? And well, well, if I start down that path, it's a slippery slope, you know, and then I start to see my blood sugars getting variable again. And, and, um, and when I don't have it, then things steady out. So. It's almost kind of experimental for me at this point. Like, okay, what can I have? What can I? What can I not have? It's pretty interesting. Mm. Well, thank you for that particular taking one for the team there, because obviously <laughs> we're coming up for a um, a long weekend here, and um, yeah, I was planning to have a couple of <laughs> light refreshments. So, <laughs> yeah, yeah. So thank you for putting your body on the line. <laughs> okay, for yeah, me. sure, you bet. <laughs> so. I wanted to ask you, how did you get your star studied? Now, for lots of people that are not in the low-carb world, they probably wouldn't recognize anyone, but it was a star-studied cast in, in the low-carb world. Yeah. How, did you, how did you decide who to have and, and how did they respond when you approached them? How did all that work? Yeah, I, you know, I, just, I was doing my research, you know, really just doing what – uh anyone would in researching for a film and and learning who was really out there doing amazing work and you know Sarah Hallberg was one of the first ones that I just thought ah oh, just got to got to get an interview with her um and I so I just honestly I just started reaching out to people and telling them I was working on this film and they were all so generous to just say yes and and the fortunate thing uh, for me was that a lot of these folks attend uh, conferences and, and this was, you know, when we were filming was before the pandemic. And so the conferences were still happening. And so I was able to coordinate, you know, like six interviews at one conference. And so, because we self funded the, the film that was all an independent production that was wonderful you know we didn't have to go to indiana and then new york and then you know all over the place in fact you know professor tim noakes came to one of the conferences in ohio that i was able to interview him there i never would have been able to you know go to south africa to get that interview if i'd had to meet him so that worked out really well the the filming at, at a two different conferences we set we set up interviews and filmed a lot of what what we included in the film and people were just very generous and kind they knew you know i told them what, what we were doing and they were excited that we were producing a film on this topic and and they were happy to give me an hour of their time and um 
so it worked out great yeah it's amazing yeah. so um the, dr zoe harcom um was on our episode number five and then the one that's following this one coming out is our lovely i love him dr brian linsky's oh yeah so <laughs> yeah he's great yeah yeah, he was great. Actually, I was interviewing um, Dr. Brett Schur, who is the medical director of the Diet Doctor Diet site. Doctor. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and um, and a cardiologist. And I, I definitely wanted to have a cardiologist in the film, you know, uh, with all of the discussion about cholesterol and 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 the quote unquote heart healthy low fat diet. And um, so I was interviewing um, Brett. Uh, and he started telling the story about his friend who was a physician who, you know, came to low carb through his own health challenges. And I was like, well, who's that? <laughs> I want to interview that guy. And, uh, so, uh, Brett introduced me to, to Brian and, and, uh, I started pestering Brian and, you know, we did go down to San Diego for that story and, and we were able to film, uh, Dr. Linsky's in his practice, which was, fascinating and wonderful to get to look inside his practice and meet his patients and and hear you know the life-changing you know events for his patients um, who had come to keto and and low carb as well so so yeah that was that was just good fortune you know meeting meeting uh dr sure and and having him tell me about his friend <laughs> brian linsky's that was great great. he seems such a lovely person yeah he's great yeah and helping so many people you know that's that's also it's got to feel so good that's that's one thing i really came away with um, from doing the film also is you know physicians have been getting burned out you know when they give this advice all these years that just I mean, there's a few people that it works for, but there's so many people that that the low-fat advice just wasn't working for them. And then they just get in this mode of just writing prescriptions and writing prescriptions because people are are not getting better. And, you know, Brian touched on this. You know, then you, you start thinking, well, they must not be following my advice. You start blaming the patient. And uh, it's just a terrible cycle for physicians as well. You know, they're they're not feeling good. They're not feeling like they're helping people. But then it was so wonderful to see, you know, his practice where he finally thought, wow, maybe my advice was bad. I'm going to try this for myself. And and when he did, and then when he started sharing it with his patients, the transformation that took place. And now he's in a, he, you know, he, he's so happy. I mean, you've interviewed him. I mean, he's helping people get their lives back now, you know, and um, it's just it was so cool to witness that and to talk to his patients who who have gotten their lives back and um, how happy they are, you know, to be able to play with their grandkids now, you know, get down on the floor and 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 uh, get back up again and not, you know, just simple things like that that you don't think are are that profound but they but they really are and um anyway it was just it was wonderful to witness that and to see how physicians are are appreciating being able to help their patients again too with this information yeah we have a doctor here in the uk um which you you might have heard of him dr david unwin oh yes yeah and and he was about to retire and fed up with 
not getting results and then when he started to see results so he stayed on and carried on working yeah because he wanted to help people because he could help people he now was helping people right yeah that's so wonderful um the unwins have done so much good it's great i wished i wanted to have have dr unwin in the film as well but i couldn't couldn't go to the uk for that (laughs) but uh but he he did end up participating in some uh, great question and answer uh, sessions that we did after the film first came out, which was wonderful. It was wonderful to meet him virtually and get to chat. So when you were, when you were planning the film, was it particularly the dietary guidelines that you wanted to expose? And do you think it has had an impact? Do you think the film has had an impact on people that maybe otherwise wouldn't have known about this? Yeah, I, it was the dietary guidelines that I wanted to discuss, but then it was also the American Diabetes Association advice to people with type 2 diabetes. I discovered pretty quickly um, that the advice that that has been given to people with type 2 diabetes over these years has just been backwards. And you know, they've suffered, you know, that, that, um, being told that, you know, once you have type two diabetes, you'll have it for life. It's just a chronic progressive disease that you just all the best you can hope is to manage it is pervasive. You know, even, even at the time that I started the film, um, three years ago, that, that advice was, you know, you could, you still, I would still see signage at the stores, you know, living with diabetes and, and, you know, we're, we're talking about type 2 diabetes here, so um, which is very much diet-driven. And, and it was frustrating to me that those folks were being given bad advice. And um, so that was – those two things were really driving factors and for me to, to produce this film. And, and I do think it has made a difference. I mean, if all I look at are the are – the, the feedback and the reviews on Amazon, then there are dozens of people who watch the film who have changed the way they eat and who um, have reversed their type two diabetes from watching fat fiction. And so if that's, if that's the impact the film had was just on those couple dozen people, then it was worth it. (laughs) You know, Um, I do believe it's had, farther impact than that you know it, it's it put together a lot of information into one documentary that again as I said is accessible I think to the general public and um and I think also you know confirms information um for decision makers for other people in the nutrition space that I think can help sort of move the needle a little bit and show folks that uh, low carbohydrate can be an excellent and healthy way to eat, um, to manage weight and to manage metabolic disorders. And, and then it, it's not, you know, the line that I always was told, you know, in my younger years was, oh, sure, you can lose weight on those kind of eating plans, but you're going to mortgage your health in the process. Hmm. And so, um, you know, you're, you're damaging your, your heart, you're damaging your body. If you, if you eat a low carbohydrate diet. And, um, so I really wanted to debunk that idea, um, 
And I think we did a good job of doing that, showing people you can be very healthy eating this way. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I'm, I'm still trying to get my mum to watch the film. Now, she mostly is low carb anyway, but her partner isn't. So she's been slipping back into her old ways. And and then she'll say, oh, I've got a bit of heartburn. And I just, I try to be quiet, but I say, you know why that is, don't you? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And it's, yeah, she's been slipping and having bits of bread and yeah. potatoes. That's so hard. Yeah, if you if your partner isn't on board, that would be very difficult. It's challenging when that stuff's around the house, I would say. Yeah. So I think it's really interesting that in you, you call the, the film like a documentary, but I see that it's actually got two sort of, you know, two functions, two roles, and, you know, it is that part, you know, information, education. But what you really did was to tell the story. You know, you had the voice there of those, you know, the continuous glucose monitoring participants. So you actually gave a, a lived experience of mm-hmm. what it's like to be on a low-carb diet, which you compared and contrast. And then we had the patient experience of obviously Dr. Linska's, you know, the five, um, the five patients there, you know, where he was able to sort of, you know, showcase that here are some real people with real diabetes that use the approach and actually are better and they're living their best life. And one of them had lost 200 pounds. Yes. You know, not only did she um, lose weight, but mm-hmm. obviously you had your other the other ones there from his, his practice there of, you know, reversing, you know, diabetes. Mm-hmm. So I think, you know, to say that it's purely a documentary, but I think it really is... Um, highlighting that lived experience which is is very special and very privileged for you Mm -hmm. yeah we were really fortunate dr linsky's you know just opened up you know to us about his his own personal health challenges and then reached out to his patients and they were they were they were excited to share their stories and you know they were so happy that you know they'd gotten their health back and and uh so it was really it was great to be able to meet them and hear their stories and be able to share their stories and, you know, and their blood work looks great. You know, they're, they're, they're so improved over, over what they had been struggling with, you know, each, each one of those people that we interviewed and, um, you know, Kathy, the, the gal that, that lost over 200 pounds, um, she's still on her journey. You know, she's still, losing weight and, and, and still working on, on her health, but it was so wonderful. I mean, she was just thrilled. She, she hadn't had, uh, she hadn't had success with other nutrition plans and this, she was finally having success with. And, and she was a gal who, you know, had experienced blame, you know, she was working very hard trying to follow her physician's advice. Um, and it wasn't working for her. Uh, and then, you know, to feel like they're questioning her credibility and questioning whether or not she was actually following their advice is really frustrating as a patient. And I think a lot of patients have experienced that where they were, they're told to consume a, a very low fat diet and, and, um, it's just not working for them. They're still gaining weight. They're, they're exercising and it's still just not working. And then they go in and, and they experience 
but maybe it feels like it may even be an unconscious blame on the part of the physician, but still just this feeling like, you know, you, you, you must just not be doing it right. And, uh, what a great revelation for them to realize, no, <laughs> I was doing it right. It was just not good advice for me. And, um, and then they'd be able to turn it around and, and get their health back. It was a neat, it was really neat to be able to witness and hear those stories and, and, uh, see the lives that were so positively impacted. It's pretty cool. But equally, as you said, the Amazon reviews are also a testament to your impact. It's not just obviously the medical professionals, you know, the roll call of the um, the low carb gurus that you were able to, you know, to access. But um, mm-hmm. your work now is paying that forward. So by by you know the production and the well, you know, the message that you're putting out there too. So you equally should be proud of what your contribution is to to this space. Oh, thank you. Yeah, I, that that was the goal, you know, I, and uh, was to just take all the leading minds in the low carb space and and put their stories and their information together in a way that that people could watch and understand. And um, and uh, I th- I think we did accomplish that. And, and I and I'm glad, and I'm I am you know proud of the film, and and am glad that it's helping people. That's it's just it's really cool to to create something that helps other people improve their lives. Mm. It feels really good. Absolutely. I do do like that. Yeah, for sure. So, is there another film in the pipeline? Well, right now we honestly it's been difficult to film with the pandemic. I have to tell you. Um, so we've been kind of laying low and and just doing support for fat fiction. Um, keeping trying to keep the film out there and trying to help people become aware of it who haven't seen it yet. Um, but I, I have, I've been kind of poking around and looking at what, what we might do next. And, and um, I've been really interested in, in the work in, in the mental uh, health space, the, um, and, and brain health. Um, so I've just kind of just started looking into that and, thinking, well, I wonder if we could do a film in that space as well. So just kind of poking around. Yeah, nothing concrete yet. So another one that I thought of earlier on when we were talking about your life journey is sugar addiction Mm -hmm. and food addiction would be a great one. And I think that combines with the mental health aspect of it as well. Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah. Yeah, boy, sugar addiction is real, isn't it? Yeah. 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 that would be Georgia Georgia Ede, you know, the work yeah. that she's done in, in that space with mental health and the connection between food. And obviously um, there's other addiction specialists like Bitten Johnson, uh, Vera Tarman, uh, Joan Eifeld, Jen Umlin. Yes. Has, yeah, has all moved into, into that sort of connecting the brain, that brain health with the food. Yeah. Now, just as we were talking, um, my idea was really to look at what the healthcare system, so to, as a almost like a food follow-up to um, Michael Moore's sicko, you know, what's the contribution to the American healthcare system that this sort of, you know, hasn't really helped in terms of um, diabetes, obesity, metabolic disorder? Mm-hmm. So that's... Um, we, we can pitch some ideas to Okay, you. excellent. I'm going to stay in touch <laughs> with you two ladies. You've got your finger on the pulse. 
Yeah. Yeah, and and don't forget Dr. David Perlmutter would be another good one. For yes. Mm, yeah. Brain. Yeah. 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 Brain. Brain. Yeah, he's done some amazing work. I've been listening to him on Clubhouse, the new audio app, and uh, yeah, he's he's amazing. Isn't that his son? He's his son that does the clubhouse. Yeah, his son does the clubhouse, but he's had um, his dad on a couple times. Yeah, that I've been able to listen, which is great. Yeah, excellent. So I think that that's um, yeah. I, I can imagine just as long as if we can come along as little production assistants, we'll do the um, we'll be the fan girls. Okay, yeah, we'll be in the background. Okay, yeah. <laughs> excellent. <laughs> we'll have to coordinate a time though that works for all of us. <laughs> Oh, yeah. Yeah, just for the listeners, we've got um, Asia time, we've got mountain time, we've got UK time. So, um, yeah. Yeah, yeah we're spanning. That'll be when we, can, when we can all travel. You know, we can yeah. save that. Hopefully soon. Yeah, I hope. That'll be great. Look, yeah. look forward to maybe hopefully turning the page on COVID here. <sighs> yeah. yeah. Don't know where that's going, but we shall see. Yeah. We shall see. Yeah. So... How can people get in touch with you? Um, well, if they'd like to learn more about the film or anything uh, to do with the the support networks that, that we um, tapped into for the film, they can visit the film website, and that is fatfiction.movie. And uh, we actually have a resources page there if anyone wanted to learn about, like, the restart program that I took. Um dietdoctor.com is the uh, low-carb nutrition plan that we use during the ketogenic uh, versus um, USDA, you know, CGM experiment um, and, and, you know, other groups like Low Carb USA. And, and we have, we have a whole resources page there for people who, who want to learn more about the different, you know, things that were in the film. And then, you know, we're on Twitter at WideITV and uh, we're on Instagram, and I'm in Clubhouse, if anyone's a Clubhouse member. Um, I've been dropping into several of the keto rooms on Clubhouse, and that's been really interesting, talking to folks over that as well. So, yeah, a variety of ways. Excellent. Yeah, connect. <laughs> I'd love love to hear, you know, especially in, anyone who's watched the film and how it impacted them. It's always fascinating to hear that, and and uh, could help shape our approach to a next project. Yeah, definitely. And uh, if any of our listeners haven't seen the film, then I would highly recommend it. I've seen it twice so far, and I'm definitely up for watching it again. All right, that's it's a little long. You, you have to have a little block of time to watch it. <laughs> About an hour. Yeah, I just dip in half an hour here, half an hour there. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. I think when you watch it, you get angry. I don't know. You get so many emotions that are evoked by it. And it's like, I mean, I mean, admittedly, you know, mm-hmm. stuff for me and my journey is, is not new. But when you hear it again, obviously in a different way, mm-hmm. you go, how did we get it so wrong? Right. You know, how did it get perpetuated? Mm-hmm. How did it get so, as we know, you know, mm-hmm. those political interests, the policy actors, mm-hmm. all that sort of stuff. As as you had, you know, Nina, Gary, you had, you know, Zoe, you know, Jason Fung, mm-hmm. just all telling, all telling how we can write this. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, 
What what do you see if you had a crystal ball? When are the USDA sort of guidelines going to change? Mm. When is policy going to change? Uh, no, I just I think it's going to be a very long time. I mean, Nina has done so much fabulous work on that, um, and the Nutrition Coalition, and now the Low Carb Action Network, really pushing uh, the USDA to to provide a low carb option for the dietary guidelines, and they they just continue continually bat it down and bat it down and bat it down. So that that's really frustrating. Um, so I'm glad to see groups like Low Carb USA just forge ahead by creating a set of clinical guidelines for low carb nutrition that, that practitioners can turn to, you know, because of course the problem with not having a low carb option as part of the dietary guidelines is then the medical profession is afraid to recommend it because you're going against the guidelines. You know, um, of course, clinicians can always recommend specific uh, diets for specific conditions. That's, you know, what, what a clinician is for, but, um, but there's just sort of this overriding, you know, feeling that, Oh, that's not, that's not part of the program. That's when, when we don't have that option as part of the dietary guidelines. So, it is frustrating to to see the low carb option continually batted down by the USDA, but then you also see other glimmers of of progress and and hope. You know, the American Diabetes Association um, last year adding low carbohydrate diets as a as an option that works for managing type two diabetes. Um, it's kind of amazing it took them this long. Um, but it's great that that, that has been added. Um, and, and then, as I mentioned, groups like Low Carb USA putting together, um, a set of clinical guidelines for clinicians who want to follow or, and, and, um, recommend low carb to their patients. Then now they have a vetted set of guidelines that can kind of back them up. Amazingly, that didn't exist before uh, Low Carb USA did a lot of work um, and put that together. So, so, um, so yeah, so there's some glimmers of hope, but still, you know, a lot of frust- frustrating things going on out there. I think some of the largest organizations like the American Heart Association, they just, I think they're just having a, they're going to have a very hard time backing out of this decades of, of advice that they've given, you know, they're still doubled down on saturated fat and still, you know, pushing processed vegetable oils. So I think that will be a very long time um, before that changes, you know, that's a, a, admitting they were wrong, I think is a very difficult thing to do <laughs> Yeah, as a large, large organization like that. So, yeah, I think something, something massive has to happen from the ground upwards mm-hmm. but that's still going to take time and i think the the ones that will change it will be the ones that are naught to 10 now mm-hmm. and as they grow older and they if they start to see it more mm-hmm. then they might start becoming the doctors of tomorrow mm-hmm. and they might start making that shift but it's still going to be a long time it sort of feels like we're reaching a tipping point but sometimes i think we are and Sometimes I think we've still got a long way to go. Yeah, that's I that's I agree with you there. Yeah, yeah, and some some glimmers of hope, but other 
you know, really still very frustrating <laughs> things going on. So, yeah. I also think it's about the curriculum, you know, the curriculum that's been, been taught in, like, the medical schools, the nursing schools, those sorts of things. So, you know, once you have, as Jackie said, you know, there's a changing of the guard in, in curricula particularly, um, yeah, and that sort of emphasis in shifting medical curriculum, as we know, doctors only get maybe four hours of nutrition training. But if there's a sense that that curricula changes holistically to functional medicine, you know, to a more systems base mm-hmm. and one that's evidence based and not just, you know, this is the way that I was taught, you know, a hundred years ago, that, you know, that's actually, you know, a little bit more enlightened. That's mm-hmm. that's my hope as a as as a college professor myself, you know, that you know, you try and do your best to have the up to date you know, evidence as well. So. But how, I mean, how much of a role does the, do the pharmaceutical companies play in, in I mean, if you're in higher education, um, influencing, you don't think so? Not, I mean, I think. Oh, not for me. Um, not, not in my health programs. Oh, good. So um, it's, it's in, I'm teaching in Australian higher education. So those sorts of, you know, we have to declare any conflicts of interest. So, um yeah, so if there's any conflicts of interest in, in my consultancy roles, in my project or research roles, they, they are declared. So, um, no, not in, not in the health programs that I teach in. That's good to hear because I always feel like, you know, there's 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 not the dollars to be made, you know, in functional medicine in terms of the, you know, medications and and. You know, like, for example, just cholesterol-lowering medications being the most prescribed medication in the history of the world. You know, there's just so many dollars to be made there that, that um, you know, that's something that, that there's a very strong interest in perpetuating um, that idea. So I always worry that, you know, with all those dollars to be made, that yeah. the influence might be um, pretty strong. So. Both Jackie and I, um, well, in Australia and also in, in the UK, we have universal healthcare. So it's a very different system and a very different relationship with um, the pharmaceutical regulatory bodies. So, um, yeah, so that's that's another thing as well. So um, that's obviously, yeah, a very different relationship with our primary care providers. Mm-hmm. That's great. Yeah, but Louise, mm-hmm. there still must be some some motivation for the pharmaceutical industries because they still have such a power over our governments. I don't know about your government, but in, mm-hmm. here in the UK, they have a huge power and a huge um, lobbying uh, role. Mm-hmm. And so even though it's even though it's through the NHS, it's still in their interest to uh, promote the medication and yeah, I, I do. There's two two ways that they do that. So obviously they have their salespeople going to GPs, and this is for product education. But if there is going to be, you know, through the NHS, obviously the the pharmaceutical companies approach the NHS in terms of the pharmacy, the medicines, you know, in terms of the approval process for um, for it to be prescribed. But that's that's a yeah, and that's similar to our Therapeutic Goods Australia, you know, Administration in Australia. So um, the government buys the medication. It's then subsidised through through the schemes, the, the pharmaceutical benefit schemes through the universal healthcare system. So there's no 
way that Pfizer, Moderna, Johnson and Johnson's can directly promote to me because it has to be approved to the government. Mm-hmm. So I always find it fascinating, Jackie. Remember when you're going to America and you're watching those ads on TV? Yes. That direct marketing. Yeah. I just and you sit there and you're going, oh my god. They're promoting drugs to me, man. Mm-hmm. What is yeah. with this country? They're one so. of the biggest advertisers on television. I mean, they're propping up <laughs> broadcasting in the United States, I think. Yeah. Actually, last night, I don't watch the TV, but my husband does. And he was watching something last night and the adverts came on and they were actually advertising a freestyle Libre. Mm-hmm. So that was quite interesting. Mm-hmm. Wow. That's interesting. Yeah. That's that's interesting as well. Yeah. Yeah. So um, anyway, that's that's a little bit of healthcare politics. Yeah. Right. Right. All right. So Jen, to to wrap us up, can you give us three top tips for our listeners? Mm, three top tips. Let's see. Um, I would say you don't always have to eat breakfast. That's one thing. I'll just tell. I'll, I'll give three tips that work for me. How about I? I found that if I delay breakfast, um, then I tend to eat less overall and, uh, it helps me manage my weight, which has been nice. Just coming in there, did you know that breakfast only came about in the 17th century? So it's only been 400 years that we've been having breakfast. Yeah. And in the Roman times, they only ate one meal a day. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then that's the other tip is that I, I would say, you know, for weight management, um, throwing in a couple of 24 hour fasts a week, it really helps me. So going from dinner to dinner, that seems like when you say, wow, 24 hour fast, that's, that sounds like, like that might be really hard, but it's not at all. Um, especially if you're already eating low carb and your blood sugars are steady. Um, it's becomes much easier to to skip a meal and and I don't feel hungry and so those those two things have been really good and then I guess for me also just making sure I stay hydrated and um, I take um, kind of an electrolyte um, tablet in in water uh, that keeps my electrolytes up and and uh, so yeah I would just say yeah they don't always have to eat breakfast and if you want to help manage your weight even a little more, maybe a 24-hour fast every so often and and then just really staying hydrated. Those three things really help me stay balanced. Fabulous. Yeah. Love it. Yeah. So thank you for being with us. It's been really wonderful to talk to you and find out everything that went on behind the scenes and, well, not quite behind the scenes, but <laughs> that went into making the film. Yeah. So thank you. Yeah, thanks for having me on. And thank you for, for making the film because I think, you know, as that sort of educative and inspiring, insightful um, lived experience is actually, yeah. as you said, it's accessible for your parents. Have your parents watched it, by the way? Yes, they have. <laughs> yeah, they've watched it and, and they embarked on a low-carb plan after watching the film so it worked (laughs) yay Yay. yeah yeah and i guess tip number four for our listeners would be watch the film watch that fiction oh there you go and get your parents get get your friends and family parents to watch it yeah if you have anyone who you're having trouble uh explaining it to uh 
the the film is pretty good at that. So you can just sit them down and get them to mm-hmm. watch it. Excellent. Yeah. You're like thank a movie you. reviewer. Five stars to you, Jen. Oh, thank you so much, Louise. I appreciate it. And Jackie, we're gonna have to put a, we're gonna have to put a review on Amazon. Yes. Oh, please do. Yeah, that's actually one thing that if if, if people have thirty seconds and they can hop on there and leave a review, it helps a lot. I I still don't understand all the Amazon algorithms, but I know that when we continue to get new reviews, then Amazon will keep the film kind of higher up in their in their rankings and they'll recommend it. It ends up kind of in the sidebar as a recommended film if if we continue to get more uh, reviews. So, yeah, if anybody wants to do that, it helps a lot. Tip number five, review the film. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> Leave a review. Yes, yeah. Thanks, Jen. Thank you. All right. Well, thank you so much, you guys. And cut. That's a wrap. <laughs> So that was great talking to Jen and getting the inside information on the film and and what inspired her to make it. And I think I we see all these different people in in our space who are doing different things to influence different people. And Jen obviously has, you know, her background is film. So it was the obvious step for her to take. But I think it's a really, as I said in the intro, really fabulous film. I really enjoyed it and well worth watching. Jen was also a journalist before she moved into film producing. So she really knows how to come at it from an investigative way of looking at things. What are some of the films that you've seen that are other documentaries? Yeah, you're right. And um, just putting our collective heads together. So thinking about The Magic Pill, that was with the Australian Pete Evans. He yeah. did that one. Mm-hmm. And, and that uh, was really looking at the First Nations and how they've been affected by the influence of sugar, wasn't it? Yeah, it was really quite quite confronting. And he also did a few sort of vignettes of um, there was a non-communicative a uh, autistic. Autism. Yeah, that's right. That was amazing. So quite transformative there. Uh, other documentaries such as looking at the sacred cow, and I think that was looking at the role of, you know, that you know, the political argument about the role of um, meat as well. So really trying to come at it from not the vegan um, argument and those sorts of um, vegan agendas. They did have uh, one of the people they were interviewing had been a vegan or vegetarian for a large part of her life. That's right. Yeah, and that's like so often that we've heard stories where um, people that have been vegetarian or vegan and have suffered not with obviously good health and, and transformed it by eating animal products. You mentioned about Fed Up. Um, you're going to have to remind me about that one, that documentary. Casting um, my mind back. It was, it was, and I'd love to be able to watch it again, but it's no longer, I watched it on Netflix. It's no longer on there. And it was a lot around sugar. And I can't really say any more than that. But I thought it was a great film and I would love to re-watch it. But there was a lot around sugar and how it's affecting us. Now, one of the first ones that I remembered watching, which was quite influential on me, was Fathead. And Tom Norton uh, was obviously who did that one, and as well as he did the Fathead Kids, um, the book as well, which was a, a fabulous resource. Yeah, so, I haven't yeah, seen Fathead Kids. Quite... No, but I've I've bought the book for friends, so... 
that was quite mm. good when he when he brought that out. But what I like, as you mentioned, Jan was playing to her strengths. So as an investigative journalist and a film producer, this was her medium and this was her passion and this was her way of obviously influencing and getting the story out there. You know, Jackie and I, we've been so privileged to hear so many stories of where people have come at it from a place of ill health and they've had this sort of moment of realisation that they want to pay it forward and whether that's been health coaching or in their professional uh, health, allied health practice that that they're doing this. But this is absolutely fantastic. This is a different way of you know, crafting a message to, to pay this forward. And it's, it was really fantastic to, to see that in this um, art form, which is absolutely one, but quality and so um, such a easily accessible. Yeah. And I think everyone can support Jen by watch, not only watching the film on Amazon Prime or Vimeo, but also by rating and reviewing it because that's how they... They stay current, really. Mm, absolutely. Where can we get the show notes for this episode, Jackie? So show notes will be at www.fabulouslyketo.com forward slash podcast forward slash zero four one. It would be great if you could support us through Patreon. Go to patreon.com forward slash fabulously keto and you can choose the monthly amount you wish can you recommend a guest we can interview if you can click on the link in the show notes to send us your recommendation would you like to join our facebook group search for fabulously keto on facebook our facebook page is called fabulously keto and you can follow us there or you can follow us on Twitter. Our handle is Fabulously Keto. Or follow us on Instagram, Fabulously Keto One. Did you enjoy the show? Let us know you listened by tagging us in your Insta story or Instagram post using the handle Fabulously Keto One and the hashtag TFKP. All the links are on the website and in the show notes. If you haven't subscribed to the podcast, click the subscribe button. Reviews help us to be found and reach new listeners. Please leave a review of our show on your preferred podcast listening platform. We appreciate you taking the time and read them all. Disclaimer. The information in this podcast is for informational and educational purposes only. Nothing in this podcast can be taken as advice. Whether our guests are doctors, healthcare professionals or not, they're only sharing their own opinions and stories and this does not constitute a doctor-patient relationship. It's always best to seek professional medical advice should you wish to make any changes to your current medication or treatments. Also speak to your own doctor if you have any concerns about your health or you wish to make lifestyle changes, especially if you're taking medication.